Good morning. The uh, images that you just saw happened uh, two days ago as we, we, we all were eating our Thanksgiving dinners here in Canada. The uh, military police in Egypt were massacring, massacring Christians in downtown Cairo. Uh, those Christians came to uh, protest the uh, many years of persecution, burning of churches, kidnapping of young girls, and uh, burning of their homes and businesses all over the country. The escalation of those persecution in the last few weeks and months reached to a point of intolerance. And therefore, thousands of people were marching peacefully, holding candles and crosses in the streets of Cairo, and this is what they got, military vehicles running over them. And yesterday, many of those who paid with their lives were buried in Cairo yesterday. This is the global church, and today I would like to share with you a few words about the realities of the global church that we live in. It is often the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, and the persecuted. In the earlier times of the history of Christianity, the church fathers give certain descriptions of the church being one holy Catholic apostolic. And as, as wonderful as those titles may be, and you study them in history books, they are far from the reality of the church. Probably it is a prayer, it is a hope that we can have one holy, apostolic, and Catholic church. The reality of the church, of the global church that we live with in the 21st century is far from that. It is often the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, and the persecuted. And as you look to the images that we have here, actually at the bottom of this page, this is an Indonesian girl like you, same age, went to school in Indonesia, and this is what she got in the first week of attack uh, on her dorm by fundamental Muslims. These are the realities of the world that we live in today. The church is called for the purpose of being the people of God. And uh, we all like to speak about the church in a particular part of the world, but we need to Remember that we are the called people. We are called by God. We are redeemed by Christ, sanctified by and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for the glory of God. Today I would like to share five basics, um, characteristics of the church that I think um, are very significant for the church globally and for us here today as we worship in Toronto this morning. First, I would like to speak about the church as the community of the good news, and I think this is one of the most basic and characteristics of the church everywhere in the world. In Isaiah 52, uh, Isaiah prophesies by saying, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. And that vision of the good news was fulfilled, came to fulfillment in the life and person and work of Jesus Christ. And he is the good news that fulfilled that vision of the reign of God where peace and justice will be proclaimed. 
But I think for us as Christians, we become the good news to the world. So if Jesus is the good news and we have been living the life of Christ and we have been transformed by the life of Christ, we become, the church becomes the good news to the world. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is the calling of the church. The church is also the community of righteousness. Those who experience the right relationship with God are able to extend righteousness to the world. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That was the prophecy of Micah. And Jesus confirming that vision said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. And in the world that we live in today, there are a lot of injustices. There are so many hopelessness, brokenness around us in the world. And it is the calling of the church to set the record straight, to do justice, and to walk humbly, and to build that life of righteousness in the world. Nobody else can do that. The United Nations can do that. It is the church that can do that. Thirdly, I would like to speak about a dimension that we ignore to speak about, and we don't like to speak about. It is the community of suffering. And this is one of the characteristics of the church, one of the very basic characteristics of the church, whether we like it or not. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As the church serve live the realities of the good news, and also become the righteousness for the world, the church suffers. It's not going to be an easy right. The world is not going to celebrate that, and the world is not going to welcome that. But the world is going to hate us. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And as we come this season to uh, Christmas, we will be celebrating, and very soon we'll be exchanging gifts, and we'd love to have those gifts wrapped in wonderful uh, gift wraps and celebrate this wonderful, joyful time. I don't think anyone in the world will ever think of giving someone a gift of suffering. But if you turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, that's what Paul actually says to the Christians. He said, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. This is part of the package. It has been granted, it has been given to the church to suffer for Christ. This is the only way Christians grow. This is the only way Christians experience the suffering 
of Christ. The next video helps us to understand what is going on with the persecuted church in China. Let us watch. Mysterious, ancient, captivating. Stunning vistas that instantly, on sight, define a culture, a nation, a people, China. But serene beauty and smiling faces mask a terrible truth. Behind this expanse of stone and mortar, a reign of unimaginable brutality and persecution is imposed on Christians in China. The police pointed a gun at my head when I was praying, but I was not afraid. I continued to pray, and then they took me and 64 other Christians to the police station and beat us. I could hardly walk after that torture. To the atheistic communist regime in China, Christianity is dangerous because it is a threat. The three-celled church is the only church the government allows to legally operate in China. But with that sanctioning comes heavy restrictions. Unauthorized meetings are not permitted, no evangelism is allowed, and communist values replace the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We do not attend the three-self church because it is the government-controlled church. The way of the cross is from Jesus, not from any government. This word, including the government, will pass away, but our Lord and His church will exist forever. For those who worship outside these buildings, the penalty is imprisonment. I was not arrested because I committed a crime. I was taken to jail because I am a Christian, but that's all right. Because I understand that when we suffer, the Lord will have glory because His people stand up for Him. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11:35 through 38, others were tortured and refused to be released, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, and in caves and holes in the ground. Hebrews 11 is being lived out in China today. The persecution our Chinese brothers and sisters endure is real. What you are hearing are not stories from the ancient past. This is happening right now. But the story did not end on the cross. The story ended with resurrection. And uh, I want to balance that picture by saying also the church is the community of resurrection. We live the power of Christ, and we live the power of the resurrected Christ. In uh, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul reminds us his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him as his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. The community of the church is also the community of power. 
Not power to destroy, not power to eliminate the other, but power to transform. This is the power of the resurrection. In the resurrection, we have seen a completely different picture of power. It is a power that brings life out of death. The power of this world usually ends lives. This is the definition of power of this world. But as Christians, we are called to transform the, po- the world through the power of the resurrected Christ. Finally, I would say we are the salt and light of the world. We are salt and light because the darkness of this world will not go away without the light of the church. Yes, the church might be persecuted. Yes, the Christians might go through difficult times. But we can still rejoice. We still can have that faith in the power of the resurrected Christ. And I want to conclude before we pray for the global church and for the persecuted church by another video clip somewhere in North Africa. And this is with one of the most persecuted Christians. And I had the privilege of actually serving with those people that you're going to see, going to watch right now. Those people have lost everything. They have lost their families. They have been persecuted by them. They have lost their jobs. They have no money. They have no homes. But they are rejoicing. And they can celebrate and worship. Let us watch. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the hope. And we thank you for the redemption that we have in him. We thank you that through him you have reconciled the world to yourself. We thank you, Lord, that you give us the ministry of reconciliation. We give you thanks for the cross, and we give you thanks for the good news. We give you thanks for the power of your Son. Lord, we trust that you have sent us the church to the world. You have empowered us by your Spirit. And we trust that you are with the church all the days. We trust that your promise will continue to bless, empower, and lead the church. Lord, we pray for the persecuted Christians around the globe. We pray for the underground church in China. We pray for the Christians in Indonesia. We pray for the church in India. We pray, Lord, for the church in the Middle East. We pray for the upheavals that this part of the world is going through right now. Lord, we pray for the Christians who are paying with their lives, who are persecuted daily. Lord, we pray that they will be a witness for you to glorify your name. And we pray for us here, Lord, to be faithful for the calling, to fulfill your word, We pray, Lord, that you send us to the world with passion to serve you, to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.